We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello and welcome back to the Stormdark Weather Podcast. This is episode 25, OBs Everywhere. I am your host, Rando. And I am Corey. And we are excited today. Um, I'm all tingly because uh, yesterday we had some uh, outflow boundary action that was really cool. It was all over the place. Man, and I was in Springfield and you and I both saw those OBs. OB stands mm-hmm. for outflow boundary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, I was getting ready to leave my friend's house, and we saw it coming. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I've got to get on 65 to come back to Branson because I saw that OB coming up. It's going to just you know, be amazing, and I can see all these clouds and stuff. So I headed out, and I headed down 65, and I had my lo- locator on radar scope so I could see where that OB was, and I passed Ozark. And I saw I was going right into it, and I looked up, and there was just clear sky. Interesting. <laughs> and then what happened? Well, I kept going, and I looked in my rearview mirror, and all of a sudden, behind me, those towers started exploding. Wow. And, uh, I mean, I think I got past Saddlebrook or almost to Branson, and that whole thing, uh, we, well, we had an outflow boundary coming from the south, and then that one met up with it, and I think two other ones this was just insane outflow boundaries (laughs) i mean they were all over heading in different directions combining and and intersecting and we had some uh interesting cloud formations from it we had some interesting wind i had a cool rainbow over branson last night oh yeah that was that was really cool and i think you told me uh, when the ob went through branson you had like a mishap uh, yeah i spilled my drink right down the driveway (laughs) went down and I have a big driveway, so I had, it took a while to get all the way down to the the curb and the ditch and drain. But then so, the, so the wind blew it over. the rain washed it away. I got half an inch of rain over that. So See, I didn't get anything. But I, I mean, I checked my rain gauge this, uh, this morning or yesterday after it left. 0.05. I got five one-hundredths of an inch of rain. Wow. I, it just poured at my house. Yeah, and you got over a half an inch? Just a little over a half an inch. And I wonder, because I, I know that, you know, somebody was saying on, on the site that that uh, when it when everything blew up around Branson, uh, they were they said eastern Taney County, northeastern Taney County didn't get anything. Well, mm-hmm. it was focused more in stone, and we had that second batch of OBs kind of moving together, and that... Uh, I you know I did the live cast yesterday and right Highlandville that's south. Where, that's that, where it popped up is around Highlandville. Yeah, just started building on that OB and moving down, 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 and uh, it was fun and exciting there for a while. Nothing yeah. better to do on a nice lazy Sunday afternoon. Uh uh-uh. uh I just enjoy some OBs. Oh yeah, and and it like we've said yesterday, OB you, you can't really predict what these OBs are going to do. The weather conditions have to be just right. Because sometimes we've seen 
OBs kind of fly together and, and smack up against each other, and absolutely nothing happens. And that's just because the conditions they, they aren't right. Right. And But now we've got all this difluent wind flow, one coming from the north. And this afternoon, we have one that just uh, kind of went through Branson. We're watching another one around Ava that... It, okay, the one in Branson is going north. The one around Ava is kind of headed to the west, and a nice OB went through Springfield. It's headed to the south, so it's going to be exciting this afternoon. I'm watching radar right now. I can't hardly keep my eyes off of it. <laughs> I know, and there and we're sparking some severe weather. I mean, I was out... Uh, I mean, you've been outside, but I yeah. walked outside a while ago. It's miserable out it's there. It's miserable, and, and that's another thing these OBs like. It's, this is the heat. In the humidity and then everything just builds up on that and bubbles up and uh what this these ob's are kicking up more storms and more storms and yeah, it's fun for us it's great for us i've got my window open in my basement and it's real sunny and then all of a sudden it gets gets kind of dark and then it gets sunny again and it cools things off before oh, the rain ever gets here I, I always tell my mother she loves to go outside and sit on the porch and look at her flowers but it's just been too miserable hot so i always text her and warn her that an outflow boundary is on the way. So she needs to, you know, get ready and get her coffee and go out there and enjoy it. I had to fish some chairs out of the pool last night. I'm wondering if I'll have to do the same again later. Yeah, these OBs, if you get a really powerful one, you you could probably get a 45, 50 mile an hour mm -hmm. gust out of that thing. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a second. We always talk about OBs and, and thunderstorms. But how do they develop? Why why are they developing? I mean, you get this this action going on, and the, it flings out an OB. Well, you have to understand a thunderstorm. And today's weather school is all about the anatomy of a thunderstorm. But what happens is you have an updraft, and that's what makes the thunderstorm. It, it aids to the thunderstorm. Then it builds and builds and builds and builds, and then a point of equilibrium is reached, and the thunderstorm matures, and then it starts kind of dying. And when it starts dying, that cold air just kind of gets exhausted from that, that storm. And cold air is heavier, so it's pushed out away from, from the thunderstorm as, as it's collapsing. And that's one way we look at thunderstorms, and we think, okay, well, this thing's generated an, an OB. So now, you know, it's kind of on its decreasing tendencies. But the problem is... Not, I mean, that's okay, but the problem is when you get that OB, if it moves into a more hostile environment, which is what's happening these past two days, then that colder air meets up and starts pushing into that warmer air, starts turning the atmosphere, and you've got more explosive development. So, so that's kind of the explanation of what an OB is. Miniature cold front, basically. It really over, is. It goes yeah. over the warm uh, areas and, and generates some instability and then boom 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 here you go yeah and if they're powerful enough which they have been you know we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get some uh, good rains out of it and speaking of good rains we need organized rain well we haven't had that in quite a while no actually these, and we we've talked on the podcast several times the, these pop storms they're nice but we need something to you know like a few days of just an easy rain to get that water table back and then again. the people on our stormdar site will, po will post yeah i got this rain well right now it's we we in south branson didn't get anything and we in north branson got half an inch you know whatever yeah and i got nothing so we we need a nice widespread rain that's that 
going to take care of everybody, you know? Yeah, and that's where the stalled boundary comes in. We don't have a stalled boundary yet. Uh, don't see it. Uh, you know, the stalled boundary is just a focus mechanism for impulses to just ride up and ride up and keep what we call training over the same areas, and that's going to give us some good soaking rains. But I checked the drought monitor this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, didn't you say they update that on a Thursday? They they come out with a new graphic every Thursday, Thursday morning. Okay, then I'll, I'll know to check Thursday afternoon or something. But what uh, I saw now, the like extreme southwest Missouri, like Jasper and Newton County, uh, they have been upgraded to a severe drought category now. Bad news. Bad, yes. And Stone County is in a moderate uh, going more west, Taney County up through Greene County, kind of along I sixty uh, Highway sixty five, is abnormally dry. Mm-hmm. So, but if you're in St. Louis, no drought detected there. And I know people who post online in different groups and sites who live in the abnormally dry parts of of the drought area, and and they swear up and down that we're in a complete extreme drought on their property because it's completely. I mean, these farmers know. If their crops are dying, if, mm-hmm. if you know, they know. So abnormally dry is also bad. It's not good. No, oh yeah, any any so, drought is not good. But when it's you, just a nicer way of saying you're kind of in a drought. Which if you're kind of in a drought, you're in a drought. You know, so it, it it's dry, and your grass is going to be crunchy. And I think my lawn guys were supposed to come last thursday but they drive by and look and oh, i mean it same could be same with mine three weeks you know we, four may, weeks. we may have the same long guys yeah uh the only the, the worst part of the drought in missouri is in up northern northern missouri uh above kansas city uh kind of like the the top yeah kind of the two two tiers of counties in northern missouri is extreme and i need to do some research to see you know i haven't done research yet i need to figure out what our deficit is but we are definitely below where we need to be i know i saw a graphic on thursday it said jop the joplin area was just about eight inches below where they need to be out for this point in the year yeah oh and that's why they're a little more uh in a severe drought than we are that's awful that's and, bad and i was planning on going to joplin uh either next week or in a couple of weeks we got a, a little break in our show schedule, so I may be going up there, but I'll be you know, taking some water, see if I can water those Don't burn under. anything. No, no, not going to light the fireplace on that. No, no. <laughs> okay, El Nino update. Uh, we, uh, you know, we've talked the past couple of, of podcasts that El Nino, they thought it was going to go, and then last week, I think, they said, uh, maybe it's, you know, it's a 40, 50% chance it's going to develop, and I think you texted me the other day. Uh, with new research, and now there, there's a 70% yep. chance. Upgraded to 70% chance. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it kind of depends. <laughs> Typically, an El Nino year causes the jet stream to kind of dip more in the center of the country. And mm-hmm. people talk about the polar vortex. Well, there's technically not a polar vortex. I mean, that's kind of a sensational name of it. It just popped up in the past few seasons. Polar vortex. It just sounds cool. Ooh, yeah. I need to have a, a yeah, sound bite for we that. Do. Polar <laughs> vortex. <laughs> yeah, but but when we talk about that, I mean El Nino is kind of a a factor we look at, but there's also other things we look at. There's the PDO, which is called the Pacific Decadal Oscillation. I think that's how you pronounce it. It 
that oscillation is around the uh, Bering Straits, south of the Bering Straits of Alaska. It's it's kind of north. So the, the El Nino is around the equator, and then the PDO is up just south of Alaska, like in the Bering Straits or whatever. And there's a third one we look at. It doesn't really affect us very much, but it's called the NAO, the North Atlantic Oscillation. And that takes, that's more towards Greenland. That's that's away from us. But we look at all those oscillations because uh, without getting too technical about it, you know, you have El Nino or La Nina, so positive or, or, or negative, um, water temperatures the uh, pdo is either positive or negative and the nao is either positive or negative so so you could have an el nino and a negative pdo or you could have an el nino and a positive pdo and all that (laughs) affects the jet stream i need to do a weather school on that you should that will explain it all so it's we know that El Nino now is probably going to develop so in the next couple of months we'll be working on our winter outlook don't say that oh i know well it's it could be better than this 9500 degree weather well the temperatures but i'm afraid maybe we'll see some above average precipitation with the cooler temperatures and that's not my thing well yeah that yeah that could be would you rather have snow than ice though no i'd rather have ice than snow seriously oh yeah so you can just stay home and not go to work oh i'll go to work (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but with my job I have to go to work no matter what. I'll stay at my work if it gets yeah, too bad. Well, that, that's me too, you know, because people are going to get out and sure. go see a show. Cause Strangely enough. Everything else. And that's that's good for the entertainment business because when things shut down in town, there's no place for people to go that are in town. Yep. So let's go to a show. I remember that, that mammoth snowfall we had. I think it was December of 2013. Nah, I don't know. It was a long time ago. I think you're about right. Mammoth snow. And every place in, in uh, Branson basically shut down because it was like this massive nine ten inches of snow or whatever and our theater's like no we're gonna go ahead and have a show oh mine did too and you know what we had lots of people really <laughs> we had a great audience because think, everything else was closed yeah I, I think uh i think i ended up staying over at the lodge or i mean i just couldn't get home we carpooled see that's so smart. If one of us went down we all were going down <laughs> like the ship yeah <laughs> Well, how about that barrel in the barrel? I don't mean barrel like a barrel of, of monkeys. I mean barrel, the once hurricane barrel. He came back and for, for a day or so. Yeah. It wasn't a hurricane, but he was still a named storm. The remnants got their act together and became, was it a subtropical storm? Subtropical cyclone, yeah. And, and uh, just didn't. Yeah. amount to anything didn't wasn't gonna hit any land or anything like that and now he's gone again so. yeah he tried i looked yesterday and there was barrel tropical storm just going out there you know several hundred miles uh, east of new york and i looked today nothing gone yep and that's what kind of happens i mean when, once you get up in those northern latitudes the the sea surface temperatures are getting a lot colder anyway because remember chris it kind of followed in in chris's path and chris just shot up northeast and went out up towards England basically, and then Beryl was kind of following that, and then then gone. But last week we had nothing in the Pacific, and this week we do something near Hawaii bubbling up, right? Uh, yeah, I checked uh, just just this morning, and about about a thousand miles east southeast of the Hawaiian, uh, the big island of Hawaii, uh, there's like a seventy percent chance that a disturbance out there is going to become a cyclone. Very interesting. 
And the bad part about it is it's headed west-northwest. So we're going to have to watch that for our Hawaii peeps. That's just something. I mean, for some reason, you just don't hear hurricanes hitting the Hawaiian Islands all that often. No. I'm sure they do. But not like the east coast of the United States would be hit every year. Yeah. You would think being way out there, you would have more hurricanes, but you don't. Well, they turn, and of course, the Pacific is, you know, huge. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, and there's another one uh, down, oh, where is it about, where's my notes? It's about 12 north, 115 west, kind of where those those tropical systems were percolating last month. There's something there that might take effect. Yeah, there's about a 20% chance, but but at least we have something going on. It's either one side or the other, because once Beryl and Chris on the Atlantic were going on, we have nothing in the Pacific. So, right. So we get it going. Yeah, we need some good, good rain. Oops, that's my timer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, today's weather school is all about the anatomy of a thunderstorm. So let's get to that. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, Stormed Our Weather School. This week we're going to explore one of the marvels of Mother Nature, the thunderstorm. We've all experienced thunderstorms. Some of them are gentle with little lightning and rolling thunder, but others can produce devastating weather conditions with large destructive hail, powerful winds, and tornadoes. In order to create a thunderstorm, we need to have three main ingredients. Moisture, which is fuel for the fire per se. Instability, This can be a heat source generated at the surface. And lift. This could be something like a low pressure system or wind shear. Each of these elements can exist by themselves, but you'll only get a thunderstorm when all three come together. In the summertime, two of these elements are common, moisture and instability. Just step outside on a late August afternoon and you'll certainly know what I'm talking about. Hot surface temperatures and tons of moisture just sit at the surface and make our lives miserable. The ingredient that's missing here is the lifting mechanism. That's because high pressure is usually in control of our summer pattern. A big ridge of high pressure moves overhead and that prevents any lift, so there's no way for the hot and juicy air to escape into the sky. The nuts and bolts of thunderstorm development are quite simple. The three ingredients come together and make a thunderstorm. Okay, maybe it's not quite that simple. We all know that the temperature decreases as you go up in the sky. An approaching storm system, like a low-pressure system, takes warm and moist air at the surface and lifts it up into that colder air. This is the beginning stage and where the warm, moist air starts to condense and makes a cloud. This repeated process lifts more and more juicy air upward and the condensation principle continues. 
The influx of water vapor constantly being shoved up into colder air will cause little tiny raindrops to form. The raindrops will try to fall due to gravity, but they'll continue to be pummeled upward by the updraft. Eventually, the raindrops will grow into a size that the updraft is unable to support. This is where the raindrops will start making their way to the surface. A large mass of rain will start falling, and the rain-cooled air will start a downward track. This is the downdraft stage. And now, the machine is really getting going. Eventually, the juicy air being updrafted will run out, kind of like a car running out of gas. This lack of fuel will weaken the updraft, and the thunderstorm will begin the decaying process. The storm will continue to drop all of the condensed moisture until it runs out of steam, per se. Then, the storm will dissipate. Lightning happens when positive and negative charges get together. The moist air at the surface contains mostly negatively charged particles, and the top of the cloud has mostly positively charged particles. The updraft in a thunderstorm carries a lot of these negatively charged particles up into the sky, and if the updraft is strong enough, then they'll make it to the top part of the cloud where the positive charges are, and then the party begins. The stronger the updrafting, the more negatively charged particles make it up to the top of the cloud. Hail develops when very strong updrafts carry the moisture far up into the sky where the temperatures are well below freezing. The raindrops freeze, then they try to fall. If the updraft is really strong, then the small hailstone will collect moisture on the way down, then get propelled back upstairs by the powerful updraft. And this process will continue over and over until the hailstone gets so large that the updraft can't support it anymore, and it will fall to the ground. There's one thing that prevents thunderstorms from developing. It's a phrase we've all heard the weather pros say from time to time, and that's, there's a cap in the atmosphere. Think of a cap like a lid on a pot of boiling water. The water in the pot is hot and moist, but the lid prevents the steam from escaping. If you remove the lid, then you'll notice steam rapidly rises upward into the kitchen. This is the same concept in the atmosphere. An inverted layer of air in the lower to middle levels acts like a lid or a cap so the air can't rise. However, if this cap erodes or breaks, then all that pent-up juicy air at the surface can quickly shoot up in the atmosphere into much colder air. That causes it to condense and starts the process of developing a thunderstorm. Let's talk about some of the types of thunderstorms. There's the single-cell or pulse-type storm. This type of thunderstorm occurs with one updraft and one downdraft. These storms usually develop in the summertime when there's a cap dividing the moist hot air at the surface and the colder air upstairs. The cap prevents the air from rising, but there can be little areas where that cap becomes weak. And this is the place where the surface air can overpower that weak spot in the cap. These pulse-type storms are usually isolated and many times just bubble up and then rain themselves out and then collapse. A lot of times they don't move much because there's really no steering mechanism upstairs to push them anywhere. So they'll, they could remain stationary or slowly drift in erratic directions. This is where you can get a huge dump of rain in as little as 15 minutes.
The strength of the updraft determines how strong these little buggers can get. Sometimes these storms can quickly become severe with large hail because of the extreme updrafting, and you'll get very strong winds due to the rain-cooled air downdrafting back to the surface. These types of storms usually don't produce tornadoes just because this particular structure doesn't support it. Another type is called a multi-cell cluster. This is where several single-cell thunderstorms develop in an area, and they're all in different stages of development. Groups of cells just bubble up and down, and they merge into one another to create stronger cells. The individual cells normally don't last long, but they could keep bubbling up in various locations for a couple of hours before exhausting all the available moisture or instability. Another type is called a multi-cell line. This is where a long line of thunderstorms can extend for hundreds of miles. You've probably heard this called a squall line. The fancy term we use is QLCS, or Quasi-Linear Convective System. The line moves into an unstable air mass and taps into energy, and storms constantly redevelop over and over again as they move forward into the rich air mass. Thunderstorms along this line can be quite strong with large hail and strong outflow winds. The strong winds in a squall line are usually the result of downdrafting air from the storms spreading out as they reach the surface. Tornadoes can form along these squall lines, but you mostly get strong straight-line winds, sometimes gusting well over 70 miles an hour. And finally, the supercell. Supercells are a special kind of single-cell storm that can last for hours. These are the ones that have the ability to twist and are responsible for producing tornadoes. The updrafts in supercell thunderstorms can get over 100 miles an hour, creating extremely large hail, sometimes to the size of softballs. Violent tornadoes can develop from supercells due to very strong wind shear. That's strong winds blowing at different directions with height. And this shear gives a thunderstorm the ability to rotate. We hope this gives you some insight on how thunderstorms develop and the potential damaging effects they have. Remember, if you can hear thunder, then lightning is near. Always heed this warning. When thunder roars, go indoors. If you have a question about the weather you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. And now you know. Excellent. <laughs> How that thunderstorm develops. I love them. Yeah. Well, you got some fun facts over there. Uh, well, the heat. Yeah. Let's talk about the heat. Even the dry heat in there over in the, the desert southwest, Arizona. Uh-huh. Say you have an airplane trying to take off. Well, the amount of lift from the aircraft that, that the aircraft wings generate is affected by the density of the air. So the lower density, uh, the lower density, the faster the plane must go for liftoff. So that, that plane really has to go fast because it's not going to get the lift due to the heat. So because the hot air is less dense, so that's pretty cool. 
yeah, pretty cool that, weather information. That that makes sense. And you know, I've I've seen Phoenix. They cancel a lot a lot of flights when it's really really stupid hot. And yeah, I was reading that the that the um, yeah you need that density of the air. So when it's cold, there's no problem. But when it's hot, the the air is much thinner, and so it just can't get off the ground. That's why they like when my, the Kansas City Royals have spring training in Arizona. They can hit the ball so much farther out of that park than they ah, can in Kansas City. No resistance. Right. They'll go forever. That's why it's not fair for baseball teams to be over there and we're over here where it's all humid and there's dense. I mean, it's just. They should have just one area, one central go. area, Kansas City. There we go. You know, the, what is it, what, the Royal Stadium. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the Royal Stadium in Kansas City. It's just have. All the all the baseball teams just fly there, so <laughs> sure. to be fair. <laughs> I wish. And I was also reading that uh, a new analysis published in the journal Nature Climate Change this week has also said climate change is leading to more heat waves in general. And they found that 30% of the world's population is exposed to potentially deadly heat for 20 days per year or more. I can see that. I, I'm by that. Well, the world is warming up. Sure. I mean, that, that's a proven fact all around the world and we've seen a lot more heat advisories coming out i mean uh miami was under heat advisory uh today yeah, i think yesterday and today mm-hmm. uh but southwest missouri wasn't and that's just i think i think really the hills play a part in kind of absorbing or distributing that heat i i, I think that's that's probably it so branson's not under a heat advisory much no we are every now and then but not as much as even Springfield is, you know. Yeah, like, on that plateau. Right. Right along that I-44. There's something about I-44. Oh, yeah. Storms and heat and all sorts of things. It's just, it's just nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the weather word of the week. Oh, let's get to the jingle. It's the weather word of the week. And like I said, the weather word of the week this week is... Diabetic. You got it. <laughs> Which is the opposite of last week's weather word. You remember that? Adiabatic. 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 Yeah. That's all these, hard for me to say. All these weird weather words. You know? <laughs> I can say diabetic really easy, but you put the adiat in front of it, it just makes me, my brain. That's what I said. I was talking to my friend Gary, and, and it's like, it to me, it's like symmetric and asymmetric. It should be diabetic and adiabatic. But instead mm-hmm. of adiabatic, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm sure, depending on what meteorologist you ask, you're going to get a different pronunciation. I bet, <laughs> I bet you're right. So the, the definition of diabatic is the transfer of heat between air masses, or the science of matter and energy and their interactions. So last week, we had adiabatic, which means if you had a bubble of air that's rising or, or sinking, its properties don't share energy with the outside air. It's just kind of a bubble, like a balloon. Uh, it has its own space, and it doesn't you know, transfer its heat source to the surrounding air. Well, diabetic does. You get some air, and it starts mixing and starts changing everything. So, interesting, huh? It's I Wilford think- Brimley's favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. <laughs> I don't know. I just remember those commercials from the 80s. Oh, I, Wilford Brimley. I know. I love watching those things. I'm old. I I remember all those things. You're not near as old as me, so you probably don't remember I'm all that. getting my, up there. Yeah. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> 
So uh, Corey and I are going to have a lot of fun watching this uh, these, this OB parade. OB, Outflow Boundaries. Uh, we got them flying all over southwest Missouri this afternoon. And they're uh, the, the ones that's of course, moved through Branson earlier, headed to the north. Now there's activity starting to show up in Branson. And I really think we you're gonna if we get those three outflow boundaries uh, coming together this afternoon. We're gonna see some mighty interesting weather happen. So we're going to to watch that closely for everybody and uh, post. Uh, we love everybody, you know, watching our page and sharing your pictures. We love the pictures. Please keep posting pictures, videos. Um, if you put them in the comments or the visitor posts, other people can see them. You know, you can still message us with them too. And if they're really, really cool, we'll go ahead and post them in a headline post. But the 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 longer range, and I'm talking longer range, which is like in the next week or so, it doesn't look like we're going to get a break from the heat. Looks like hot and looks like dry. I know. I, I mean, just maybe those afternoon poppers every now and then. So, but you can't rely on that. No. No, but maybe maybe those poppers uh, come out there and fling an outflow boundary, and we can track that and chase yep. it and do all that kind of thing. That's what we do. <laughs> uh, got anything else? I don't. I'm good. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. So be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like our page, and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your news feed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Well, that does it for this time, so join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast.